0: Welcome to the Eat Well Sleep Great Run Far Podcast. My name is Will Franz and I'm here to help you go farther, faster, and longer without injuries, gut problems, or giving up your favorite foods. This episode was originally recorded as a weekly live in the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. If you'd like to join these lives, watch past replays, or get any of the written summaries I do for these weekly, please head to the link in the show notes, drop me a comment, I'm happy to help you out. Now, let's get on with the episode. I believe we are live. Great. So today, let's talk about low-carb and low-carb diets. Pardon me. Unless you've been in a coma for the last 15 years, you probably know someone who's done some version of a low-carb diet. and Maybe you've even tried one yourself. I mean, I have. I have tried both Atkins and Keto and some other things for very different reasons, and I've seen a wide range of results. First off, in in many ways, these diets are much better than the like ultra low fat diets that were popular in the late '70s and all through the '80s. And when I first got into this health journey, I did a lot of like n of one experiments, so just testing on myself to doing like blood levels and different diets and seeing what happened. and when I did a very low fat diet, we saw a huge crash in hormones I it's not the nicest person to be to be around. And just disturbing levels of inflammation from my blood levels. My, If you know what this is, my HSCRP, my highly sensitive C-reactive protein, was like through the roof. And that is concerning to me. When I did very high fat diets, um, specifically keto of a couple different varieties, I led to very high LDL, which as many of you know, is often referred to as bad cholesterol. It's way more common than that, or complicated than that, but if I had to choose between one of the two, and we don't, um, I would choose the higher LDL over the higher inflammation. And to be clear, I'm not a doctor or a dietitian, and this might be different for you, and this only applies to me, but chronic inflammation is a factor in like every long-term disease. And LDL is only really a factor when it comes to these chronic, um, or heart disease, right? So cardiovascular disease, which is very prevalent in my family and concerning to me, but if I had to choose one of the two, um, I would take the LDL because you can manage that a little better than the high inflammation. But I would personally rather limit both. So try and like take the middle ground here and all that aside. If we're not just completely discussing health and what these things do to your blood levels, Low carb diets, we're going to put that in quotes for a a large portion of this, very much aren't great for over 99% of athletes. And I'm going to apologize in advance because some of this, like, next hour is going to, or the next, like, half hour is going to be a little ranty. And it's possible I'm preaching to the choir a little bit here. But we need to stop denying basic facts about human physiology. I see way too many athletes and coaches pushing a low-carb diet as a result of their personal experience, and I try not to do that when it comes to mine, but we all have our biases, and for a lot of these people, they cut out carbs and started feeling and performing a lot better. But when the vast majority of people go on a keto diet or a low-carb diet or cut out carbs in general, they also weren't eating a great diet beforehand. So. When you cut out carbs, you also cut a ton of highly processed inflammatory food at the same time. And if you go from eating a lot of highly processed food to a diet low in carbs, you're likely to perform better because you will no longer suffer from you know, bloating and inflammation and these huge glucose mountains throughout your day. And that doesn't mean it's optimal. If you try to fuel on race day with nothing but spinach and olive oil, you probably won't perform very well, but that doesn't make salads unhealthy. We need context. And a lot of the time in these spaces, we often act like there's only two options, either the standard American diet or whatever we're talking about today. And I feel like there's, a, you know, a thousand shades of gray in here. and we need to appreciate that there are these like middle levels and different tactics that we can use to reach our goals. When I first got in shape around the age of twenty, I did it by eating one meal per day, very strictly. I followed what was called the Warrior Diet. I did a lot of like body weight training, and for a while I thought that you know body weight calisthenics and time restricted eating were n- gospel. Like, that is what I did, that is what I, like, recommended to other people on the same path, and it worked for me. It did not work for a lot of other people, to be clear. And now that I eat more food throughout my day, I'm injured less, I feel better, I have fewer cravings, and I'm a lot stronger than I was back then. But you couldn't have told me that when I was 20, right? And I appreciate what I got from time-restricted eating. I produce ketones a lot better and I do a lot of do a lot of things and I don't and I'm not severely hungry a lot of the time. And I still use it occasionally as a tool, but it no longer really fits my daily needs, especially as an athlete, and there are just much better strategies for my current goals. And this is the same for a lot of people with what we call low carb. I see a lot of athletes who try some form of low carb diet and it's the first thing that makes them feel even decently good. So they think it's the only answer when it's really not. I recommend to everybody that they take a minute and ask themselves, like, what am I doing right now? (laughs) Is it working for me? As in, am I seeing progress? Am I avoiding injuries? Am I feeling good on more days than not? And if so, like what have I actually tried in the past? Not half-assed or done for a few days, but actually given a good try for the space of like three weeks to a month. And and why? What am I currently doing? Why might it be working? And it's possible that your diet is matching your current training cycle. For example, low-carb works very well with aerobic-based training. And it's fine for like some moderate-level lifting and maybe maybe you've also just found something that allows for a lot of consistency for you that was the thing for me in my early 20s one meal a day worked very well for my lifestyle i uh, ran a frisbee team i did kung fu i was in like 20 credit units i had a job and all of that made it very easy for me to eat one meal a day because i was so busy so that just stuck very well and then It's also maybe the first thing you've tried that doesn't have a bunch of highly processed food, be that sugar or seed oils or whatever. And hell, it may have nothing at all to do with the diet. Your training plan and lifestyle might just actually be healthy enough otherwise to compensate for some sort of dietary deficit. Like most very long-lived cultures in the world include some alcohol and sugar and things in their life And these people live past a hundred, and it's probably not because alcohol and sugar are necessarily healthy. It is probably because they don't have a lot of stress and live a very healthy lifestyle. Like, no matter what, why are things working? And in the end, you should kinda eat how you want, like you're an adult. I'm not saying you need to eat carbs. What I'm saying is we need to stop denying physiology. Carbs inherently do things in the human body, i.e. restore glycogen and drop cortisol And they also make it easier to eat more, which kind of sucks for everybody out there trying to lose weight or fat, but it's really useful for athletes because the number one thing I see when athletes come to me with nutrition stuff is they're underfueling. They're not eating nearly enough to support the training they're doing. And especially when we're talking about ultra athletes, we're looking at peak weeks of like 10 to 20 hours a week. That is a ton of training so a lot of people are under fueling and carbs can help you really easily build that deficit. So I get frustrated when I see someone tout anything as the answer when we have very little discussion of human biosystems or personalization. Again, carbs may not be for you. Some people have very, called aggressive um, autoimmune diseases and they do a very they do very well on the carnivore diet. It doesn't mean plants are bad, it means that that person doesn't do well with them. Other people are allergic to meat. That doesn't mean meat is bad or protein is bad. It means they have an allergy. And we need to figure out why something might be working or not working for us before we start pushing dogmas. Especially dogmas that can lead to problems in our <clears throat> in our community. Again, carbs are a good source of fuel in a community that tends to not get enough fuel. So I, do not, I don't tend to appreciate the pushing of a dogma that leads to further under eating. And if you don't eat enough calories, you will get injured. It is not a question of if, it is, it is when. It is how long it's gonna take until your body starts to break down. And if you, on race day, do not restore glycogen and keep trying to push, you will bunk. And these are the two biggest problems that people ask me about. Injuries and bunking, and yet here we are pushing a diet that pretty inherently restricts calories on athletes. And if it works for you, that's great, but you should know why it worked. And it doesn't mean it's going to work for everybody. Because in 99% of circumstances, low-carb is not the answer for a whole lot of reasons. Let's get into some of them. First, low-carb doesn't actually mean anything. Ketogenic is a very particular balance of like fat, protein, and carbohydrate. If we look back in the 90s at the Atkins diet, when I did that, it is a, yes, I was very young to be on a diet, whatever. Um, It is very similar to a ketogenic diet, but slightly higher in protein. And you can, if we're looking at keto, you can test whether whether or not you're in ketosis. You can use blood monitoring or whatever kind of strip, and there will be a ratio of fat you need to hit in order to hit ketosis, and it is based on your overall caloric intake. If you have ever tried a keto diet without tracking your calories, I bet you probably struggled a little bit. You might have seen some improvements from a lack of inflammation, but 70% of your calories from fat is a lot of fat. It is hard to hit, and you cannot, like, You can't cheat, you can't have a high protein meal, like a single chicken breast is enough to knock you out of keto. So if we're looking towards keto, we need to hit these markers that we're looking for in order to stay there. And while keto is proportionally low carb, low carb is fairly meaningless in and of itself. And we can see this from recommendations. Some people recommend 20 grams a day. I've seen 50, I've seen 100. Some people will say you should count fiber as a carbohydrate, others leave it out. Low carb in and of itself is too vague to be useful and while and when elite athletes um, employ a keto diet they often still eat hundreds of grams of carbohydrate per day and while it might be low carb compared to other people who are trying to do the same thing it's still a lot of carbs and we need to appreciate that Low carb is just a meaningless term, and if we're going to like push a certain diet, we should probably be a little more specific. And then there's why you might be going low low carb. For most people, the answer is fat loss, and that's because that's the goal of most diets: fat loss. But for athletes, it's different. While some of us might still have like fat loss or weight loss goals, a lot of ultra runners also try to use low carb to become more fat adapted, which should beg the question, can you reduce carbs to become more fat adapted? If you eat fewer carbohydrates, does your body start using a higher percentage of fat for fuel in relation to glucose? And the short answer is yes, but does it matter (laughs) and probably not. So high levels of fat adaptation don't really seem to lead to performance benefits or at least not inherently for most people. Granted, ultra runners are really hard to study because it is it is a rare person that wants to run for 24 hours on a treadmill in a lab. It's an even rarer person who wants to do that strapped to a bunch of machines, but we don't really see any indication that being more fat adapted actually impre- increases your performance. It doesn't make you faster or necessarily help you go longer. Uh, as I said in the beginning, if you were eating If you weren't eating very good quality food, if you were eating a bunch of inflammatory, highly processed food, and you went low carb, and it greatly improves your food quality, you're probably going to see some improvements because you're gonna have better micronutrient balance, you're going to be able to go a little farther because you're higher in potassium and magnesium, and you're just not quite as inflamed. But pardon me, the decreased amount of carbs does not in and of itself lead to a performance increase. And one thing it can do, and this is relevant to some people here, is it would require you to eat less while you're running, which could be a big advantage if you were doing longer races, especially those with sparse support. So if you're training for 200 milers or self-supported FKTs, it could be your secret sauce to require less fuel on the run but that is not the goal for most people here. Most races have plenty of access to food by way of aid stations or drop bags. So the ability to eat less is rarely like your deciding factor. When we cut out carbs, we also get a lack of explosive power. If you want to get faster, you have to train by getting going faster. You have to run fast. And you have to specifically train for short bursts above your functional threshold power or critical speed, which for most people is about 95% of your max heart rate. And you can do that on keto, but you're gonna burn out a lot faster and your workouts won't be a lot as effective because you can't push as hard. You can, your body can make glucose from fat and protein, but it shouldn't have to. If we just feed it, you'll also get a lot more of your workouts. It's a slow process to make ATP, our like cellular energy, out of fat. it's a, It delivers a lot of energy, but it's slow. Whereas for glucose, it delivers a little less, but you can do it a lot faster. So if we just fuel it, we will have a much better training session. So if you care about maximizing workouts and performance and really increasing speed, carbs will probably help you get there. And then, get to like how of low carb for performance. So one of the first people to really push this in the early 2000s was a man named Bob Sibahar and he created a program called Metabolic Efficiency Training. And it was designed as a short-term program. And he aggressively cuts carbs for about a month or two while focusing on low and slow aerobic base training. Specifically, you went through some invasive testing to figure out where your like threshold is and then you cut out all carbs that are not like directly coming from vegetables or low, um, low sugar fruits, you run at nothing but that like low intensity that you tested, and then after about a month or two, you retest and see where your like new threshold is. And that's great. Again, if you're trying to reduce how many calories you get on the run, but it doesn't seem to necessarily increase performance unless we're trying to really compete in these super long runs with very little support. And, sorry, lost my train of thought. So specifically, it was also not designed as a long-term strategy. So while this can be helpful for certain people, it wasn't supposed to be a year-round long-term thing. I, so now I talk to athletes or people who are doing a keto diet or this metabolic efficiency training all year long, when they're trying to push themselves through weeks of high intensity training or competing a 50K, when they're doing these like 800 repeats and it just, they don't match. It, you're not gonna get the most out of it. And if you're feeling like crap after your long runs and you're not fueling, or you're feeling like crap after your track workouts and you're not fueling, that's probably why. Because it is an important glucose is an important fuel source for all of these like higher intensity efforts. And then we also see a massive in- spike in injury, and it is not just the fact that a low-carb diet tends to cut calories. Carbs also help recovery. If you're in a stressful training block, carbs can help you recover better and faster, and some of that is glycogen restoration. So when we're training 10 hours a week, you're not going to get 20, a 24-hour gap between your training sessions. It's just not gonna happen. Um, you might have a long break, but glycogen is on like a 24 to 36 hour restore cycle, depending on you and your genetics. So unless you can take a day or two between every training, a full day or two between every training session, getting some carbohydrate and really forcing it in there, especially directly after whatever you just finished, can really help expedite that process and fuel your next workout. But it is also a cortisol management and we saw this for, I don't know, we saw this for over like 10 year, ten years ago in CrossFit. One of my coaches um, was a big nutrition coach for CrossFit. And for years, athlete tried to leverage a paleo diet in CrossFit, and as soon as they started using things like UCAN and cluster dextrin and just eating burgers and pizza between days of the games, performance skyrocketed. And granted, it's a different sport, but this is, this is my point, physiology remains the same. Carbs help restore glycogen faster and they will also help manage your stress. So, so many people I know like hate the speed training and hate the push and the large portion of that is they don't fuel appropriately. So they get very, they see very little progress because they're not able to push hard enough in the workout to create the progress. And then there's also the increased injury risk. So I know quite a few people who were doing speed workouts and say, whenever I go this fast, I tend to tear something or pull something or damage a tendon. And a lot of that is because we are not having quite enough energy or overall calories to support training and carbs also help manage cortisol. So if you have a stressful life on top of your training, carbs really could be the difference between overreaching and peaking let's be honest most ultra runners have fairly busy lives We have families and pets and jobs and hobbies and all of these things that take up our time and most of us are not professional athletes we try to fit in what is functionally a professional athlete training schedule into a full-time life so if you're trying to fit a 10-hour training week on top of your regular life you're at a much higher risk for breaking down and last week I discussed the high rates of injuries in this sport. And while a lot of that comes from going too hard too fast or trying to bite off more than we can chew, a lot of it just become comes from under training and under-recovery. Actual overtraining is incredibly rare. Most of us just don't give ourselves the necessary time or fuel to recover properly. So if you live a stressful life, carbs and their ability to restore your glycogen Um, hydrate you and manage your cortisol could actually be a bit of a secret sauce for you so for most people again there's not really a real benefit to low carb you don't get faster you don't have you have a higher risk for injury you can't eat potatoes or pizza and while you might end up needing fewer carbs or less overall fuel during your race that is not a huge advantage for most of us. Instead we risk overtraining for no real reason. If you're in the small subset of athletes for whom this might be helpful the best way to do it is actually really short-lived. Spend a couple months figuring out what your threshold is, well first figure out what your threshold is, spend a couple months in a fairly low-carb diet while you do very low intensity training and help build that fat adaptation, and then start to reintroduce carbohydrate as you increase your intensity. And if you're going to do it, do it. Do it well for eight weeks, don't cheat. And for most of us, it's just not really worth the frustration. Like most of us should probably just eat a potato. They're delicious, they'll help you train harder, and you'll recover better and faster. There are very, very few people for whom a ketogenic diet is optimal. And if you're going to do it, do keto. Again, low carb doesn't really mean anything. Figure out what you need and then use that to make the adaptations you're trying to make. Nobody really should deny that carbs will help raise performance and this is another problem we end up with. So even people who do these very long long runs, fasted runs, um, underfueled runs, if we've, if, when they're really trying to crush it, they tend to eat some carbohydrates or tend to eat some fuel along the way. And we need to train our body to actually like digest that fuel. If we do not intake a bunch of carbohydrate, especially while moving, our stomach and body will actually start to down-regulate the enzymes and transporters that help get fuel into our bloodstream. And so if we remove carbs for too long, we reduce our ability to actually use that glucose because we don't have those transporters anymore. So we're reducing our ability to provide the legs with the fuel, and we're also increasing our risk for stomach struggles because if we can't get it out of the small intestine, it just kind of sits there, it sits in the stomach, and then we end up with this nausea and vomiting that so many of us have probably experienced. And while, so this is why like we shouldn't, shouldn't cut carbs for a very long period of time. We can't just do a keto diet and then suddenly on race day like flush our body with a bunch of carbohydrate. We actually need to train it to intake that carbohydrate as we go along and then we'll have a much better chance for this long-term success or race day success. And while a keto diet I'm not going to deny a keto diet can be helpful for certain populations, right? Like it is is very helpful when it comes to reversing insulin resistance. It was designed to treat epilepsy like it has its place, but these are health and longevity concerns. And if you're training for an ultra, you should be concerned more about your performance because that is the kind of effort you're chasing. This is your goal. An ultra is not like health and longevity sport. It is a performance sport. So if we're going to have a performance goal, we should eat a performance diet and I would hope nobody here that like, should, would think that a pro-level cyclist would eat the same exact diet as someone trying to lose 100 pounds or someone who sits on the couch all day long. Yet, that's functionally what we do when we're talking about a keto diet or a low-calorie diet for race performance. I've said it now. I've said it before, and I will say it again, your carbohydrates, your carb intake, should not stay the same every day. It should be higher on high-training days, it should be higher on high-intensity days, and timing can also matter. So for those of us who struggle a little bit with sleep, having a little more carbohydrate at a well-timed dinner can help you get to sleep faster because of that drop in cortisol. But I have the other frustra- the frustration from the other end when I see like, high carb coaches saying that we should eat six to 10 grams of carbohydrates every day when we're training, and that is Excessive right? like you might well like for me that would be 700 grams of carbs on the upper end And while that might make sense on a day where I run for 12 hours, which I've not done yet but while it might make sense on this like long race day or Even a higher carb intake um, Would make sense around some very high intensity sprint training It does not make sense on a day where I'm stuck in front of a computer or vegging on the couch or not doing much I'm not a high carb guy in spite of this entire chat that I'm currently doing. Quite the contrary, like my, my non-training intake days hover around 100, 150 grams per day, which is about a third to a half of what like an average American eats in terms of carbs. But on training days, my carbs skyrocket. I eat a lot more rice, I eat a lot more potatoes, and I use cluster dextrin to support training because it helps. This is why I like carb cycling. I don't think your food intake should be the exact same every day. If you're training and your training looks very different on different days. For most people, a fairly standard intake works because it'll even out in the wash. If you only exercise four hours a week and stack through days, the extra carbohydrate for those like four hours spread out doesn't, it's more trouble than it's worth. But for someone training for an ultra, where you might be training 10, 15 hours in a peak week, and one of those days has six hours of activity, and another day is like a walk, those days should look different. The days around those days should look different. Context is everything. We, Our protein should stay about the same, our fat should support our hormones, and then our carbs should cycle based on what we're doing and what we're eating. I would be... Carbs aren't bad and they're not like a godsend either. They will help you as a performance sport and they taste good and we should stop demonizing them. I'd be even more frustrated if I saw a ton of athletes like, demonizing protein, especially considering it's like essential nutrient for life and muscle repair. But I very rarely see people saying, you shouldn't eat any protein. Whereas every day, pretty much, I see someone talking about how carbs are the devil. and I see, more, I see more you should avoid all carbs than I do see like you should avoid all alcohol. Which I don't agree with either of those statements for most people, but one of them is a like tool for performance that tastes pretty good, and the other one is something that tastes pretty good and if you're able to deal with it, fine, but it's technically a poison. So I don't know why we are demonizing carbohydrate to such a high degree. Yes, most people overeat them, Sugar is like not great for you outside of activity, but it doesn't need to be the like the devil food, right? So done with my rant. Thank you for those of you who've stuck around. And if you wanna know the basics on carb cycling, um, grab my meal creation guide. It is the like first link in the guide in this group. It'll give you the basics without having to learn to count macros, which is a skill that takes some time to build. And that's really all I have for you today. In the future, if you would like to watch or listen to these rather than watch them, I am starting a podcast. It is going to be called "Eat Well, Sleep Great, Run Far," and that first three episodes of that should be out tomorrow. It's mostly going to be a series of replays of these live videos. There will also be some other episodes in there of like short content and. Hopefully interviews someday if I can convince someone to talk to me and I'm not quite sure what all that looks like yet But it's going to be launched soon. So thank you very much. I'm still amazed and humbled by Oh, Karen, I'm not sure I will finish this up and look into that further So I am anyway, I'm amazed and humbled by that anyone seems to care what I have to say and I just really appreciate it. So thank you so much And I will be back next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to the show. To be clear, I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian, and nothing you heard was medical advice. You should always speak with a qualified medical professional before making any changes to your training regimen. If you enjoy the podcast or found it useful, please take a couple seconds to give it a rating or share it with a friend. Every little bit helps. And if you want more of this information... Please head to the Trail and Ultra Running Nutrition Group on Facebook. You'll be in good company with other like-minded people who like to do hard stuff outside.